electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan, in for Scott again today. Stop us if you've heard this one before. Another record high for the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. Apple getting yet another street high price target while the money is plying into the growth trade. The cyclicals may be about to break out in a big way. We're going to tell you why. Try to find some maybe under the radar opportunities for you. And we have got a great investment committee for you today. Joe Terranova, Stephanie Link, Kerry Firestone, CEO of Aureus Asset Management, and Tiffany McGee, the CEO of Momentum Advisors Institutional Investment Services Group. I don't know how you fit that on a card, Tiffany, but we're glad to have you on the Halftime Report once again. All right, let's get a check on the markets this hour. As you can see on that little bug, as we call it, on the bottom right of your screen. Oh, look at that. We'll do the bigger screen for you. New record highs on the S&P and the NASDAQ. The Dow down nine points. The S&P, though, and look at the NASDAQ, up another 1.2%. The S&P, by the way, is on pace trying for its fifth straight positive day. And you might have heard this. Big technology has been leading the way. Hard to believe, but true. By the way, that sector hitting all-time highs yet again today. Rates also in focus, by the way. Investors, as Carl noted, awaiting Fed Chair Jay Powell's big speech tomorrow at the virtual Jackson Hole event. Yields on the benchmark 10-year note reaching their highest level in more than a month. So, Joe, there is a lot to get through. I mean, is there anything that you see, before we get micro, on a macro basis that leads you to believe that this market is getting too hot and has got to come down at some point, or can we literally go up every single day? So the answer to that is the market has been too hot for the better part of the last 8 to 12 weeks. The expectation for the month of August was that we were coming into a calendar month that historically is a very challenged one, but yet we see the continued strong performance. So it is very difficult uh, Brian, to maintain a position in this market, uh, as most of us on the show have been from the long side. Um, but that is the right strategy right now, and it takes strong discipline to stay with that because there really is no macro condition that would suggest to step away from the market. And oh, by the way, I believe we might hear from the Federal Reserve Chairman that they're not thinking about raising rates for the next five years. You know, and Stephanie, obviously, we talk about the Fed, and they are a massive part of this market. We can debate whether it's 100% or 50%. They're a big deal. But is it more on the Fed side about rates, or is it more that we have direct buying of bonds and ETFs, which then frees up all that cash that may otherwise be used to have to buy those to buy stocks? Because if you have two cars and somebody buys one, now you can put more money into the one you've got. And that kind of feels like what's going on with the equity market. 
It's kind of both, Brian. It's low interest rates, and they're going to stay low forever. Um, I mean, I think it's years, quite frankly, at this point. But it's also the liquidity that you're talking about. It's not only the monetary policy that has been put in place, but it's the fiscal policies as well. And I think you're going to get more fiscal policy because we can't have a million initial claims that are announced each week and the job market be so sour. They have to do something. So I think there's more coming. So we've had money supply up 30% in a year. I mean, that's just tremendous. And I always cite this number. Wow. But if you add up, if you add up, <laughs> Fiscal and monetary policies this year is 44% of U.S. GDP. Back in 2008, when we had the last crisis, it was 5%. So it's enormous liquidity. You're not going to be fighting this. And I think tech will continue to lead because they are secular growers. But I do think you want to continue to have a barbell and have some cyclicals as well. And I know we're going to talk about that theme in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a great point, Kerry, that Stephanie brings up about money supply because it's not just equities. Rates are low because there's demand for bonds. People buy bonds enough that they can keep rates low. By the way, real estate is hot. Gold has been hot. Bitcoin remains hot. The amount of just actual money in the world right now going into nearly every asset class. I'm, I, honestly, I've been doing this 25 years. I'm not sure I can remember a time when I saw it everything go up like this at the same time. Well, you bring up a good point that asset classes have been in tandem and rising. But if we think about where we were in March, from February 19th through March 23rd, the market fell 34%. So that's not insignificant. We had a massive fall. And then people looked around and investors said, this is too cheap. So there's been buying that's been going on, and we talked about very low interest rates, and people were watching the market because everyone was at home, and they said, this is a bargain, and people started to buy, and then those that had sold began to add to their holdings and didn't want to miss this uptrend, and that has fueled this, I would say, buying frenzy that we've been seeing over the last few months, where people mm. don't want to miss out, and that applies to houses, and gold and equities, but at least on the equity side, when we talk about tech and growth stocks, these companies like Apple, Facebook, Netflix, PayPal, Microsoft, they yeah. are doing better under this environment than they would have done if there was no pandemic. Okay, and I want to get to Tiffany in a second, but I want to follow up because you used the other F word, frenzy. When I hear words like frenzy <laughs> and buying panic, that leads me to believe, Carrie that at some point that music will stop. And, and I, I'm sure you get questions all the time. When will this stop? Will it stop? And maybe to Stephanie's point, it won't for a long time. It might not for a long time. It's very hard to predict when momentum will end. Uh, momentum is your friend when you're an investor in the market. And this environment is good for the kind of companies that we've been talking about. And their earnings as sales forces have increased more than expected and to step off that train is very dangerous not to not to say we don't look at valuation you have to you have to trim back when stocks get to the nosebleed territory but these these stocks and companies are showing the results that are exceeding expectations so it's very hard to step away yeah you know and, and tiffany we'll look at a name like a facebook if you will because th this is i think pretty much the poster child for what's happening today Facebook is up nearly 
It's nearing $300 a share, and maybe you know something I don't. I can't see any news, any upgrades, anything on the name, and yet it is adding billions in market cap just today. It kind of exemplifies the entire thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and I, just for the record, I have no uh, information uh, about Facebook. Uh, but, you know, other than it, this is just really is the case for uh, momentum, uh, no pun intended. And so I think everybody makes uh, some some great points. And, you know, tech clearly is is just really driving um, a great deal of the movement right now. If I'm an investor, um, I'm I'm looking at um, you know where uh, not only what am I invested in but how I'm invested in am I invested in you know passive versus active funds am I invested in individual stocks uh, and really to take advantage of what's going on um, they really should be yes uh, looking at valuations and trimming and um, rebalancing but also moving from passive to active clearly right and then also from um, some you know uh, a broader funds into um, individual names and really again this is a stock pickers environment um, you know certain things are doing extremely well uh, like tech like Tesla which we think we're going to touch on later which I still don't understand um, but you know it really is this um, this this process where you have to pay attention to what's doing well and what not just in this time but what has shifted whose business has shifted um, because of the current environment that's going to continue to last going forward yeah, I mean, stock pickers market, you're right, Tiffany, you wouldn't think so, but actually there's a lot of stocks that are still down huge year to date. Joe, before we get into the individual names like Tiffany just referenced, I want to ask you about one more thing, which is the dollar. I, I, everything is going up except that. Maybe we could throw up the dollar index chart or something. How much does the weakening dollar down five months in a row against the major world currencies, how much does that play into this bullish theme? Well, I, I think, first of all, the dollar feels as though, Brian, it's down more than it really is. It's down 3.3% uh, on the year, uh, and much of that loss has been in the most recent quarter. I think there's a significant benefit outside of the United States to a lower dollar. Um, I also think to Stephanie's earlier commentary as it relates to the Federal Reserve, removing the shortage of uh, global dollars, there was a significant shortage by the liquidity that was provided by the Federal Reserve has been an incredibly positive catalyst. So I don't think the lower dollar story is about rising deficits or some form of ominous uh, fiscal condition. I think it really is based on the actions of the Federal Reserve. And, and lastly, while it does have a significant tailwind, just listening to this conversation, Brian, if you think back, the S&P 500 has not been below 2000 since the early part of 2016. And I think the way that we are appreciating so significantly in the last five months, I think you now raise that floor where you have to question, do you ever go back below 2500 again? Think about it. 10% lower doesn't even get you back below 3000. Well, that's a good point. All right. We've got a lot more macro discussion coming up. But right now, why don't we get a little bit more micro and name some names because analysts are lining up to get more bullish by the day and they keep raising their price targets really there's an abundanza of bullish calls out today first up what else <laughs> apple price target raised to a street high of six hundred dollars at wedbush 20 percent upside from here but the analyst there dan ives adding an additional sort of second 
$700 ultra bull target saying about one third of worldwide iPhones may need to be upgraded in the next year and a half. Stephanie, two price targets, each more bullish than the last, one third upgrades. What's your take on that call? Too bullish? Well, I think Dan is a very thoughtful analyst, so um, I pay attention to when he makes any kind of changes, especially on Apple. He knows the name very, very well, and I think he's, he's been telling, he's telling us what other analysts have been telling us and what we as owners believe very much, that you have a super cycle headed our way at five, with, the five, with the 5G technology. Um, it's coming. I think uh, there were rumors that it was going to get pushed out much longer than we initially expected. You're going to now see it in October versus September. So that's not a really big deal. You've got a company that just grew services in their quarter, 15%. And oh, by the way, that carries 300 basis point better gross margin than we had expected. So the leverage and the operating leverage, if you get the hardware, you get the phone out the door, plus you have services, the operating leverage to the bottom line is just significant. Meanwhile, the company's buying back a ton of stock. And uh, I think this four for one split is not uh, is, is also kind of a big deal. I think you're going to get other investors more like retail in this name and they'll get excited about it. Maybe they push it up to 700. I'd be happy as a shareholder. But let's see. Let's see how this how launch goes, this 5G launch, because I think that's going to be the catalyst to get this mm -hmm. thing a lot higher. Yeah. And by the way, if you're wondering that that stock split, which locked in Monday, goes into effect next Monday. So if you're wondering, Kerry, why not you, of course, but our viewers wondering why that price is still where it is. Monday is the day when we're actually going to see that four for one kick in. There have been numerous reports, Kerry, that stock splits just by themselves boost stocks by five to eight percent. Are you a buyer of Apple just on that as well as fundamentals? Well, I don't think any professional investor who's buying because of a split seriously is doing her or his job. I mean, splits have, should have nothing to do with the value of a stock. But just on the point um, about the price and price targets, if we uh, think about what Steph alluded to, that the service side and app side of Apple has become more dominant, and it's a higher margin business, to get to 600 or, you know, 24 or whatever, you know, wherever we're going to go from, um, where, where the split is at 25, all you need is for the margins to move higher with services, for the growth rate of the revenues to be up you know, 10 to 15 percent, which is possible on that side of the business. And then you'll have the earnings multiple, which now is about 30 times on higher earnings, get you 20 percent up on earnings over the next couple of years. And that, if you equate that on the multiple, you can get to 600 easily, you know, up 20% just because of earnings growth. So, you know, 600 is, uh, you know, in the, in the range that we can see this ultra bullish call, as you referred to, of 700, you know, that's, that's a big number. But you can definitely get there if you, you play with the numbers and give those earnings growth higher margins. Yeah, Joe, there are 42 brokers, sell-side analysts, with votes with public price targets on Apple. 39 of them have price targets below where the stock is right now. If it's moving today on <laughs> Wedbush and Dan Ives, I'm not knocking Dan, he's a great guy, we're gonna have to see a flurry of other analysts get in line, do their thing, raise their targets. In other words, it could be a big sell side push coming from the other 39 analysts on Apple soon. So that's exactly what the analyst community will historically do as prices move higher they will react to that and they will raise their price targets 
I will give you a name in the fangs that the analysts will be raising price targets because it looks as if the sleeping giant that is Netflix has awakened once again today. Netflix has been trading in a sideways pattern post-earnings. Look at it today, up 9%. Now you've got all the fangs participating in the appreciation. Yeah, great point as always, Joe. Look at Netflix. Wow, 9%. How do we miss that one at the top? All right, next up, Jefferies boosting its target on Tesla to, I, I guess, a rather stunning street high 2500 bucks. Now, the analysts, to be fair, had been way behind, had a $1,200 target, so had to do either <laughs> change jobs, Tiffany, <laughs> or raise the price target. But to my previous point, there's only three Tesla analysts that are above where the stock is right now. You said earlier you don't really understand it, but it sounds like your clients are demanding you buy it. Yeah, so uh, we've owned Tesla for a while, um, and it really was driven by uh, client interest. Again, I, um, I, I don't understand the pixie dust that's been sprinkled on Tesla. Um, Elon Musk um, is an absolute rock, rock star. Uh, I think I've said before, I listen I, every earnings season, I look forward to the Tesla earnings call because it's pure entertainment. Um, it's half messy, half just surprise. You never know what he's gonna say. Um, and I just kind of picture everybody in that room um, just, you know, just like cringing because um, they don't really even know what Elon Musk is gonna say. Um, so I just don't understand it. But listen, they're they're, they're making. You, uh, Tiffany, do you do you have to? This is going to sound crazy. Do you? Maybe I am crazy. Do you do you have to understand Tesla to own it? I mean, I mean that sincerely. Like you, we've right. tried to make fundamental valuation arguments for it. You can't. You can't. You just have to yeah. say it's a cool company run by a genius who does all kinds of crazy things, and it somehow works out. End of story. Drop the mic. Absolutely. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I get to I drop the mic. Nice. First time, probably last time. All right, let, let's, let's move on maybe to another company run by a genius, perhaps, who also says outsized things, and that is Salesforce.com. Shares there surging to a new all-time high after quarterly earnings and revenue not only beat expectations, they crushed them. And the company raised full-year guidance. Steph, you're in on this one. You've been on this one. You're going to sell it at all into this strength? Uh, no, I think this was flawless ex execution against low, low expectations, especially after the co-CEO, Keith Block, left in February. So I think this demonstrates that they have a very strong bench and they're really hitting their stride, right? I mean, organic growth, XMA and X currency was up 20%. Their RPO bookings were up 34%. People were thinking 16, 17. I mean, they just crushed it. And operating margins, 400 basis points better than the street. I mean, they just, you can't, you can't throw anything at this quarter and say anything was negative. Even the free cash flow was better than expected. So I think it's been a laggard. Uh, it is a juggernaut. It is a leader in SaaS cloud. And I've said this before, total addressable market is going to be a trillion dollars by the end of this decade in SaaS cloud. Why would I want to get off of this at that point, if, given that these guys are the leader? So I'm just going to let it ride. I guess it's the new Rolling Stones song, Carrie. Hey, you get onto my cloud. Uh, is there anything in this quarter, <laughs> in the guidance, in the stock? I'm just going to keep doing it while you guys let me. Is there anything you see, Carrie, that makes you pause at all? Okay, Mick. Uh, 
Uh, no, I mean, you, you, you have to go with the flow, right? It's, it was under 200 billion yesterday. It's going to be 200 and, you know, who knows where, 250 billion market cap. It, it, this is really pretty amazing, the kind of move that a size stock like CRM is having today. Um, it was uh, the type of name that people have gotten used to being slightly disappointed with during some quarters. Uh, the fact that there's no disappointment, but it's really hit on, you know, kind of every single measure that we look at is outstanding and the market is rewarding it for that. Up 27% right now is extreme, uh, perhaps, but no, we wouldn't sell any now. Uh, we have a large size uh, in serum, serum, but it's not as if it's so large, 6%, whatever, that we would trim it back. And I think you have to ride with it as the economy continues to recover. It wasn't an early COVID help stock. It's come into play yeah. really in June and July. And so, yeah, we would, we, we would hold it right here for anyone who owns it. Right, well, if, if I'm Mick, Joe is definitely Charlie Watts. So let's go to the, let's go to the drummer. <laughs> you, you whiffed on this one, my friend. Are you going to jump in now? Brian, let me just say this. Women truly are better investors. All three are long sales force, and I am not. Oh, thank you, Joe. Drop the mic, Brian. Uh, that was a good one. And you extricated yourself from that. I'm going to stick with you, though, Joe. Would you buy it now? Um, I would buy it now because uh, clearly... A lot of the things that uh, Mark Benioff has done and have been excellently communicated both by Carrie and by Stephanie are positioning them not just for the next three to six months, but for the next three to six years. And this is a company that I think will have tailwinds blessing them uh, for that duration. All right, good stuff there, guys. Hey, Tiffany, one more question to you on Salesforce. You think this is part of the work, and I'm sorry for looking down, I got some Facebook headlines. There are some work from home uh, implications on Salesforce, but it's an enterprise company, so tie the two together. It's not us, they sell the companies, which you think more companies are gonna have to buy their stuff because they're all gonna be doing what we're doing right now. Absolutely, I mean, there, there are 1.25 billion, uh, what, what we call knowledgeable workers, right? And so what, what that is is people who have to use a PC, uh, a tablet, uh, a phone for um, for their 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 actual work, um, and I think that this really speaks to um, these companies that are um, that are you know kind of uh, th that now have people that can that can work from home, and you're going to need um, a CRN system to keep your lack of a better no, no pun intended your your, your Salesforce um, kind of organized, to also to keep your um, customers connected, uh, you know, in, in addition to your sales pipeline, you know, Salesforce has been um, a, a pioneer in SaaS software as a service. Um, they're, they've, you know, historically been a leader. And this time that we're in with, with most people, a lot of people working from home, a lot of people, um, really this shift, right? So people that weren't working from home before now are gonna work from home, now ha have had to work from home. And yeah. I believe that's gonna continue. They're not all going back to physically um, being in an office. Yeah, good point there. All right, let's move on now because while most investors, as we just talked about, just keep buying the same tech stocks, the names that we just talked about, your next guest says, 
you might be able to make money or more money elsewhere in some names that you may not have thought about. Rob Sloymer is a technical strategist at Frontstrat Global Advisors, and he joins us now on the CNBC Newsline. Rob, what are you seeing in the boring old cyclicals, names like Norfolk Southern and others that make you believe they could be ready to break out? Yeah, Brian, look, a lot of the momentum stocks continue to work. There's not a lot that you can point to technically that says they're decaying or that they're getting to extreme levels. Some are getting fairly overbought. But on the other side of that barbell that Stephanie has referred to, and we, we continue to endorse as well, as much as that's a cliche, you do have a lot of stocks that are starting to emerge out of these trading ranges that have been in place since June. That's where a lot of the cyclical stocks sort of peaked out and started to trade sideways. Names like Visa, even though it's a you know, really a secular growth stock is breaking out of that trading range, MasterCard as well. And they've been underperforming now for three, four months and are starting to turn the corner. So I think for many managers that are less interested in chasing momentum but are looking for some emerging ideas that are still sort of growers, stocks like Visa and Norfolk and Southern and even Nike, which have really been in trading ranges for months, are starting to accelerate. And then you can work down the cyclical range to you know, there's lots of material stocks that are starting to come on, same with industrials. And at the far extreme end of that barbell, you have a lot of the social distancing stocks like airlines and cruise lines. And believe it or not, some of these cruise lines are up 30 40% just in the last three weeks. So, yes, they're volatile and they're higher risk, but I do think you want to have those type of names, cyclicals, as part of a balanced portfolio. In general, Technically, stocks are improving across the board. We're seeing more and more bottoming patterns taking hold. Yeah, you're mentioning some names, too, in, in retail, some names that caught my ear and my eye, Rob, names like Boot Barn and, and Fossil. Yeah, so, so uh, nice pick. So we looked at some small cap names and mid cap names because obviously we have a lot of uh, clients that run that kind of money. And uh, when you look at the price performance and the technical patterns, you know, they're debatable. They're still below 200-day moving averages that are declining. But things like uh, uh, Boot Barn put in their secondary lows in July. So they had a low in March, a peak in June, another low in July. And Boot Barn, for example, is up, believe it or not, 50% just since the middle of July. Now, it's up into some technical wow. resistance. It's starting to turn the corner. But these stocks perform as perform well, and they're off the radar for most people. So, again, Things like uh, Coleman and Ruth and Five, again, as part of a portfolio where you're balancing out a lot of momentum and high, high, uh, high technical patterns, high, high momentum patterns with some of these laggards that are showing yeah. uh, signs of bottoming, I think make a lot of sense. All right. Well, they're not off the radar anymore because you brought them to our attention. By the way, the Fiesta restaurant is a super small cap, uh, 200, mar 200 million market cap. Rob Slimer, good stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, Kerry, you. first off, what do you make of his comments on cyclicals? And secondly, what about names like a, a Boston Scientific, which I believe you own? Well, I, I think that the, the point that we all agree on is there's this second wave of names after the Amazon, uh, Apple, COVID plus stocks that include CRM and Visa, Boston Scientific, Medtronic, names that uh, didn't see much take up on revenue and, and, and profitability possible at the beginning of the virus, but are now seeing a benefit when people can go back to work and start to see the spending that's going on in hospitals and business settings. So yes, I, I, think, I think he's got some good ideas there. Um, not so much on the cruise or airlines, but on some of the other names where we're really beginning to see traction today. All right. Good discussion there, Rob Slimer. Thank you very much. All right. 
On deck, outside of that, Houston and Galveston, everybody hunkering down there. They are awaiting Hurricane Laura. It is growing in strength and it now may hit as a monster. Category four, look at that. Coming up, how the area's refineries are dealing with it and the impact on gasoline and oil. Everybody there, we're thinking about you, Houston. Love you, we're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Sue Herrera. Here's your CNBC News update at this hour. Vacationers returning to Italy have been getting COVID tests at the airports as confirmed cases there continue to rise. The latest daily count, almost 1,400. That is a three-and-a-half-month high. Deaths, however, remain relatively low. Berlin is banning demonstrations planned for this weekend against COVID restrictions, citing this protest earlier in the month that had 20,000 people marching in the city without masks or, obviously from that video, social distancing. So far, more than 100 cases of COVID in eight states have been tied to this month's big motorcycle rally in Sturgis, South Dakota, which attracted hundreds of thousands of people. And take a look at this. This is Hurricane Laura, as seen from the International Space Station. Forecasters warn that, quote, unsurvivable storm surge with large and destructive waves will cause what they call catastrophic damage along the Gulf Coast in eastern Texas and western Louisiana as that storm becomes a Category 4 storm tonight. You are up to date. That's the news update this hour. Brian, I'm going to send it to you. You have more on this. I mean, it's a beast of a storm. It is so huge. You know, it is. It's scary. The only thing I can say is having been through a number of, including Harvey a couple years right. ago, Sue, is that number the people there, they're tough, they're resilient. They also kind of know how to deal with it. Hopefully they're listening. They're getting right. out. There have been some mandatory evacuation orders. But, man, that is a monster scary It is. Storm. We wish them the Thank best you. of luck. Absolutely. All right. Let's get more of the latest on the oil and gas side of this story. Not to take it to business, but that's what we do. Obviously, nearly every refinery in the storm's path is either shut down or being shut down, probably all shut down now. In all, about 41% of U.S. refining capacity is now offline. It's about 2.5 to 3 million barrels a day of capacity cut. Gasoline futures are actually down right now. We're going to get to more on that in a second. Now, companies impacted by this are all the big names that you know. ExxonMobil shutting down at least two refineries. Motiva, which is Aramco, shutting down America's biggest refinery, Valero bringing down a few more, even Chevron outside of Houston shutting one down, as is Phillips 66, Shell, and privately held Transworld. Now, there are a couple of reasons why gasoline futures are actually down right now. Number one, gasoline inventories, they're actually about 7% higher than they were last year, so they can absorb any hit to production at least for a short time. The time is the key. Also, refineries that are open have only been running at about 80% capacity. So they've got the ability 
to make up some of that slack by ramping up to 90 or 95% capacity. Also, of course, demand is going to drop. You got a different kind of lockdown now, Joe. It's people staying in their homes because of the storm, not necessarily because of COVID. So we're not seeing a big move on the future side. I know you own Chevron, you own pipeline company EQT. Is there any sort of impact on the equity side because of this? Well, I, I think about the refiners first and foremost. Obviously, as you know uh, very well, Brian, they are cash strapped. Uh, they are challenged on the balance sheet. And you mentioned Harvey. In 2017, Harvey was kind of able to walk off, or work off rather, what was a significant oversupply of refined product. I'm not sure here in 2020 if Laura will have that same type of effect. You mentioned very high inventories, and I don't think you're going to have a scenario similar to 2017 where uh, that supply-demand gap closes. So I don't think refiners are your opportunity here. I'm really focused on natural gas, and that's why I have exposure to EQT and CNX. My ex exposure to Chevron is to have something in energy and I just want the highest quality energy name I could find, which is Chevron. Yeah, and by the way, you had oil inventories also well higher now than this time last year. All right, uh, Carrie and Tiffany, you both own Phillips 66, really probably the most pure play of the names that we just mentioned from the refining side. Tiffany, does this make you change your thesis at all? No, I mean, this is, this is uh, you know, uh, short term, and so, you know, we, Philips 66 is probably one of the only um, uh, energy companies that uh, that we own. Um, we've owned it for a very long time. Um, you know, in, in addition to um, to uh, energy, uh, it also has uh, um, another income stream um, from chemicals and plastics. Um, so, so we're we're hoping that that goes well. Um, but we're just going to ride this uh, storm out, uh, for lack of a better uh, reference. Yeah, Carrie, you also own Philip 66. Why? It's our only exposure to energy, and it's a small position. Any investment in energy has not been good, as we all know. Um, we've got it. I, I think it'll recover at some point. All right. Thinking about everybody and all the workers down there as well, riding out Laura and all the refineries. 41% of capacity is now offline in the United States. All right. Check out this mystery chart up 170% this year. It's an e-commerce stock with a bullish call on it. We're going to reveal the name. Do you know? Shoot us a couple of your guesses. We'll debate it as well. And as a reminder, if you are heading out, hopefully not in the Houston or Louisiana areas, you can always watch us or listen to us live on the go from anywhere with the CNBC app. Download it today. Dow is up two points. We're back after this. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, 
packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, we are just near or at session highs for the macro markets. The Dow, as we noted, just ticked into the green. Of course, it's been the lagger all year. The lagger today as well. Look at the NASDAQ 100 up another 1.8%. The S&P 500 up seven-tenths of 1%. Tech is just a juggernaut that can't or won't be stopped. All right, speaking of, that's a good segue to your call of the day. It's a bullish call on Shopify, but you probably guessed that. It was initiated overweight at Atlantic Equities. Rahel Solomon is here with the details on that call. Rahel. Hi, Brian. Can't stop, won't stop. So, yes, this is a pandemic play. That's been on fire, hitting a new high actually during the show this hour. The stock is also up almost 180 percent this year. And analysts from Atlantic Equities think it has more room to run. Initiating coverage, as you said, with a price target of 11.50, trading closer to 11.03.51. So they do admit that Shopify's 40 times headline revenue multiple is steep, but they say it's warranted because it's a fast-growing company with a $3.5 trillion total addressable market. By the way, if Shopify were a single retailer, its U.S. gross merchandise volume would now be second only to Amazon online. The Canadian company makes most of its profit from building e-commerce platforms for small businesses, and it's attracted some very high-profile partnerships, including Facebook, Pinterest, and Walmart. It also gets referral fees from transactions on those sites. And, Brian, it's also attracted some high-profile investors, including Masasan. I'll send it back to you. Yeah, pretty amazing run there. And, and here's the thing, Tiffany. I just looked, and this is pretty wild. Shopify's target price of 39 analysts is 11.02. The stock is at 11.02. So again, another one of these names where <laughs> the analyst community is probably going to have to come out. It's exactly on its average target price. Just randomly looked on that. Uh, the analyst community has got to do something here as well. What do you love about Shopify? You own it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's no secret that I love tech and I love e-commerce. Um, and so in Shopify, you you get um, kind of like the intersection of e-commerce and cyclicals, right? And so, you know, really this is a platform that allows um, someone to start a business, to grow a business, to manage a business. Um, they can manage uh, their, someone who's, who's using um, Shopify platform can manage um, their sales across multiple platforms. Uh, and so really, um, you know, in this day and age where people are rethinking work, um, and I know a lot of people are, are deciding to start a business, um, Shopify is a platform that allows you to do that. So I love mm-hmm. these names that are really helping, um, really kind of assisting yeah. people to kind of, um, you know, push past this, this uh, pandemic. Yeah, and Joe, again, I want, buddy, this is not me. This is the production staff saying, go to Joe, because he sold Shopify earlier this year. They're just crushing you today here. Again, <laughs> like a yeah. sales force, are you, do you want to get back in? It's not me, brother, I love you. Um, Shopify is a name that on a pullback, uh, certainly I would be in hyper growth. It is clearly one of the leaders as it relates to the total addressable market um, for software growth. Um, But what is behind that ability to grow the total addressable market? And it's been the pull forward of e-commerce as a percentage of retail spending. We were somewhere around 16% e-commerce as a percentage of retail spending. 
in May, that number jumped to 40%. So it's been the pull forward. I need a correction here to get into Shopify. I'm not going to reach for this one at these levels. By the way, 1,200 times price to cash flow and 61 times price to enterprise or sales to enterprise value. So if you care about fundamentals or valuations, maybe Shopify is not your stock. By the way, do not miss Shopify's COO, Harvey Finkelstein. will be on tonight with Jim on MAD. A lot of questions there on what has been a red. Is it just me or these COOs getting younger? All right, that's at 6 p.m. Eastern time tonight. All right, we are ready to answer your questions next. Send them to us at cnbc.com slash halftime or tweet us at them. We are back in two minutes with Markets Session High. Stick around. All right, time now with the traders and answer some of your questions. Let's get to it. First up, Joe, this one's to you. Scott in Missouri asks, Seattle Genetics stock has been going south for the last month. Is now the time to invest more? Joe, you own it. I do own it, and, and yes, uh, that, that's correct. July 20th, the stock was up near 188 after earnings, and it's pulled back to the mid-150s here. The 200-day moving average is at 135. That's not your reason to buy it. I think you're buying it from the strong fundamentals that this company possesses. A nice biotech mid-cap name. Its focus is on immunology and monoclonal antibodies. Um, so there is fundal vol- fundamental validity as to why I'm in this name, and I would suggest others would be well-suited to step in and buy it here as well. All right, next for Stephanie Link. David in Colorado wants to know what he should do with his Twitter position. Well, so if the stock is up 26% year-to-date, it's lagged the other communication companies, if you will. Um, but it was a very good quarter. They beat on the earnings. They're monetizable daily active users. That's what this stock trades on. It was up 35% year-over-year. Expenses also fell 5 uh, were only up 5%, down from 18%. So they're doing a very good job on the cost line, operating leverage. So I still like it. I still own it. I would wait for a little bit of a pullback to add to it. All right, Kerry. Is now the time to sell booking holdings? By the way, that's from Rick in Washington. Rick, the stock is up 61% from the bottom, but booking is still down 10% for the year. Uh, Remember, this is the number one site for booking rooms, and travel, of course, has taken an enormous hit. Uh, They're starting, I think, to see a pickup mostly because of Uh, the the type of uh, stay in a house that you can rent on their website. But once there's a vaccine approved, and that's probably going to be within the next year for sure, this is the type of option on that kind of positive move in reopening stocks that will make a big difference for booking. And I wouldn't sell it right here. All right. Next up, Tiffany. John in Pittsburgh wants to know, Where do you see Dick's Sporting Goods, by the way, a Pittsburgh-based company, stock in six months? Uh, Thanks for the question, John. So in six months, uh, quite frankly, if I had a crystal ball, again, I would not be sitting here with you guys or or I'd be sitting here uh, from from a a boat. Um, But I really do like the fact that their sales were up about 194% um, uh, in the second quarter. you know, the stock has really been moving um, because everybody's at home and trying to figure out ways to work out um, uh, when when they couldn't really go to gyms. And I think this is going to continue. Uh, so even in the, the past five days, the stock is up almost um, 15%. So I see it continuing to rise. 
All right, well, don't go anywhere, Tiffany. Coming right back to you because our investment committee, including you, is making some moves, and you've made some moves despite your aforementioned love of tech. You've gotten a little bit more defensive. You're buying toilet paper company, Kimberly Clark. You're drinking beer with Sam Adams, and you're cleaning it all up with your P&G Swiffer. <laughs> Drop the bike. Yeah. <laughs> we keep having these moments. Absolutely. So, so in addition to growth, uh, and in particularly, and in particular particular tech, uh, I do like defensives um, it, it really for uh, really the, the ones that you mentioned. I do like PNG. I, I do like um, Boston Beer Company, uh, the company that makes Sam, Sam, um, Sam Adams uh, and Kimberly Clark as well. Um, so Kimberly Clark has got a uh, decent dividend. So does P, so does PNG. Um, uh, Boston Beer Company does not, but I really do like these defensive stocks that are able to do, um, you know, really to move um, steadily in um, in volatile markets. All right. Well, the ten-year yield. Let's talk bonds. Actually, moving higher, all ahead of Fed Chair Jay Powell's speech tomorrow at the virtual annual meeting from Virtual Jackson Hole on monetary policy. The futures traders are going to play it. And we're going to bring it to you next on halftime. Stick around. Miss the show? Don't sweat it. The Halftime Report now has a podcast, market-moving interviews, call of the day, unusual activity, and, of course, Ask Halftime. Look for us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app and subscribe to the Halftime Pod today. All right, welcome back to the Halftime Report. It is time for Futures Outlook. And look at the 10-year yield. Ticking just a little bit higher, all ahead of Fed Chair Jay Powell's virtual annual Jackson Hole speech tomorrow. Joining us now, the very real move is Scott Nations of Nations Indexes here. Do you expect anything out of Fed Chair Jay Powell tomorrow that may move the bond market, Scott? Well, Sully, he said that we can expect some changes uh, in the way they think of inflation. But the problem right now, the reason that we're bumping up against 71 basis points, which is the highest level in two months, not very high, but the highest level in two months, is all about issuance. The U.S. Treasury issuing nearly $150 billion of notes here this week. We also have some in Germany and Australia. And Australia would probably be really attractive to international investors. We also have Powell tomorrow. So the way to take advantage of this Higher yields mean lower prices for treasuries. And so I want to be a seller of the September 10-year Treasury Futures contract, 139.08, just above where it is right now. My target to the downside is going to be 138 even. That's halfway back to that June low. The stop, and we always trade these with a stop, 139.24. So as you see there, we'd be risking $500 to make $1,250 at those prices. All right, good trade there. All ahead of a big day tomorrow. Scott Nations of Nations Indexes. Really appreciate it, buddy. Thank you very much. All right, final trades are straight ahead on Halftime. Stick around. All right, welcome back. All right, Kerry, you wrote an interesting op-ed for CNBC.com. I urge everybody to go read it on rethinking the S&P 500 as the key benchmark index. Why? There's been so much attention uh, on the names like Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Microsoft as to 
driving the market, leading the charge, and I wanted to see whether the S&P was still relevant as the appropriate benchmark. So if you read out, you read it, you find out what I came up with. Yes. <laughs> All right, good stuff there. Kerry, why don't you kick off, why don't you kick off our final trades? Uh, Alibaba is the final trade. The stock is breaking out. Uh, it had a little bit of a um, sort of lull in terms mm -hmm. of coming back uh, from the from the uh, pandemic low and Chinese buyers are investing yep. um, and spending and they own 33% yep. of Ant Financial, which will do okay. an IPO soon. Tiffany? Okay, Tiffany? Yeah, Ferrari, uh, I love that they're now in the, the luxury electric vehicle space with virtually no competition. Uh, they say that their electric coupe can go from zero yep. to 60 in 2.5 seconds. Step. I bought more today and it's up 21.58% in the last three months. All right, Stephanie, quick, please. NXP, it's the one technology name I would be a buyer of here. Joe. Netflix, wow. Good stuff. All right, that does it for the Halftime Report. The Exchange begins right now. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.